Hello and welcome. You're listening to a 10-7 AudioCast. I'm Jonathan Freed, and I'm here with Yvonne Stegich, founder and president of 10-7. Hello, Yvonne. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going today? Oh, it's going great. Thanks. You know, you never said what you do at 10-7. I am the manager of account happiness. Isn't that great? I love it. What are we doing today? Who are we talking to? Today, we're being joined by our friends from the Animal Humane Society and our special guests are Paul Sorensen and Maggie Flanagan. So let's go ahead and get started. Please describe who you are, your length of service at the Animal Humane Society, and a little bit about your job responsibilities. I'm Paul Sorensen. I'm the Director of Brand and Communications, and so I'm responsible for all of the marketing communications for the entire organization and all of the things that we do. I've been at AHS for four and a half years. Wow. It's the best job ever. <laughs> you get to spend your time with dogs and cats, right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. And um, I, I'm Maggie Flanagan. My job title is Digital Marketing Strategist. I've been here for about a year and a half. Everything I work on is pretty much related to the internet. So obviously our website, email, social media, Google business pages, those types of things. Paul, can you please provide us an overview and some history of the Animal Humane Society? It's been a long time, yeah. Well, yeah, Animal Humane Society has been around since, in one form or another, since 1878. Whoa. Uh, Most people, I think, know about us as a place to uh, adopt and surrender animals. And every year, we take in about 23,000 animals. And for the last several years, we have found homes for uh, an increasing number of them. And last year, uh, it was 96%. That's an absolutely high number. Wow, 96%. I think a lot of people have misperceptions about what the Animal Humane Society actually does. So I'm glad to hear that 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 number is so high. What else happens at the Humane Society? Most people know about us for adoption and, and, and don't really realize all the other things that we do. We provide a huge array of pet services for people and, and their pets, so dog training classes. We have a kindness cut clinic that provides wellness services that are targeted specifically at people with limited means, so low-income families and rescue organizations and others for whom we can provide low-cost services. We have a kids department that does programs that educate kids. They do pro- uh, classes in schools. We have about 700 kids that come through each summer with summer camps. They come to day camp, learn all about animals, and get chances to interact with the animals. We have a community outreach program that serves communities that have been typically underserved. Right now, we are uh, in Frogtown in East St. Paul and providing free and reduced cost services in those communities. In addition, we have a, a humane investigations team that investigates animal cruelty and helps us get animals who are in situations where they're experiencing cruelty and neglect, get them help, get them out, help them get out of the situations that they're in and into really uh, loving homes. And you guys have recently been helping with the hurricanes in the south of the nation as well. Yes. So we sent a team of five people down to Houston, Texas, to support the Houston SPCA and all the work they're doing down there. And we are taking, also taking in animals who were in the shelters before the hurricanes. We're bringing them up to Minnesota and finding them homes here so that there's room in the shelters down there for the animals that have been displaced by the hurricane. Both Hurricane Harvey in Texas and Irma in Florida and in all the states in between, we've been taking animals. Such important and wonderful work. And you guys are a nonprofit, right? You, you don't get any, you're not a state organization, you're not a federal organization, you're a, a nonprofit. 
we're a nonprofit and we're completely independent, not, not a part of the HSUS or the ASPCA. We're a local nonprofit organization and we're really funded primarily through donations and through the, through the fees that people pay to adopt and to use our services. So there's really no government funding. It's all funded by, by donors and by the work that we do. I think Paul did a really good job covering it. One thing that we, we really focus on, adoption seems to be kind of at the center of what we do, or at least that's what the perception is. However, we do a lot to help families keep their pets in their homes. In addition to, as Paul said, like training and boarding, we have a pet helpline so that if someone um, is thinking about surrendering their animal because they're faced with a financial crisis or they're divorcing or for any other reason, we want to provide expert advice and resources for people so that animals stay with their families. So I think that's a big part of what we do. And Lost and Found as well. That's another service you provide, especially online. I actually had no idea that it was such a resource for people who had either lost their pets or maybe found a pet and were looking to reunite it with its family. But we get dozens of posts a day, both for lost and found pets. It's a really important resource for our community. I think you guys do a great job with that. Thanks. One of the most endearing stories that I have about the society is the one about Korea and going over and knowing that the Koreans have a, a festival where they actually raise, prepare, and eat dogs. And then you were able to take in several of these animals to save them from a fate of being served on a plate. When I first saw that, I was just blown away, and I really commend you for that type of international action as well. Right, and so it's not just national, it's international, which is a wonderful footprint to have from Golden Valley, Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, right. And not just saving the lives of those, the dogs that came here, but bringing attention to something that I think many people had no idea was happening. So, Indeed. And you guys have been online for what seems like forever. When 10.7 and AHS started working together, it was 2008. And there was a, a Microsoft ASP Classic site that was uh, online. I know you don't remember that, Paul, because it was before your time, but back then you guys were online and animals, um, you had your own internal pet adoption and processing, right? I don't think processing is the right word, but it was maybe tracking the animals internally. So you guys have been online for a long time. Can you remember or maybe speak to the, uh, the state of the Animal Humane Society site when you started, Paul? What was kind of the status quo? When I started in 2013, you know, the site and the site that we just retired, what, about a month ago, still had remnants of that code from the first, I think the first site you guys built was in Drupal 5. At some point, moved it to Drupal 6, but some of the Drupal 5 code remained. And it had been evolving for for some time, but it it was really a a relic of of a time before the age of mobile. And so, you know, we went through immediately after I arrived a process to sort of graft on some more mobile compatibility. There had been a little bit of a mobile specific site created by 10.7 to serve just adoption listings, but the rest of the site was really not very mobile friendly. And so one of the first things that I wanted to do when I when I got here was really address the, the mobile functionality for the whole site and make it easier for folks on mobile devices to access all of our... And I think that was an artifact of um, not being sure what we were going to do just before responsive design started to take off. 
And so AHS, as has always been the case, has been on the cutting edge of technology, in my opinion. And so we tried an M-dot site before responsive was even a thing. And that kind of got mixed up with trying to make... Uh, you know, the best possible experience for mobile users. And, and it was certainly a relic, as you well described. Lots of different moving pieces weren't there. Right. And we made it work. I think there was a, a lot of creative thinking that went into taking, you know, technology that wasn't designed for the mobile age and making it function pretty well, at least if, as long as you didn't look under the hood, to to make the site mobile friendly, given the the constraints that we had in terms of budget and you know, and time. It was a relic, but it, but it also, I think, was, it was doing the job we needed, we needed it to do at the time. But I think it was certainly, when it came time to, to create the Drupal 8 site, I, everyone recognized that we needed more from a website. Do you, do you remember when we first started working on the site? Well, you know, we launched the site we called Blue, which was sort of a, a, a grafted-on mobile experience out of the Drupal 6 site in early 2014. And I think as soon as that launched, we started talking about what would come next. I don't think those conversations started in earnest until about until maybe 2015. And at that point, we knew that Drupal 6 was also at its end of life, and that sort of accelerated the process. Right, and we never really considered Drupal 7, did we? We really wanted to wait for Drupal 8 to get the longest possible life out of the next site. Yes, and we had gotten, I guess, what, nine years out of <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Drupal 5 slash 6 site. So I don't know that we'll be able to get another nine years. <laughs> well, you, I guess you never know. I mean, uh, nine years out of a site, I think we launched it. Yeah, that it's about nine years if you, if you consider that the Drupal 6 site was really an upgrade of um, version and not an upgrade of user experience. Um, it was just trying to make it more secure um, and address some of the issues we had. But yeah, that, that was a, quite a long-lasting li- long site. That's a record I don't think we're going to break again. <laughs> Speaking of user experience, one thing I was really impressed about was a significant pre-development effort that was put into conducting voice of the customer research. Can you talk about the value and impact of the research and analysis on the construction and launch of the current site? You know, for us, I think the voice of the customer research really helped us confirm things that we have always believed about the site. I don't think there were huge revelations about things that that were that came as a huge shock to us. But I think it was great to, to go through that, that process and really confirm that the things that we thought were working well were actually working well. The things that we knew uh, were challenges, were indeed challenges that the customers face. I think that we identified some things that we shifted our approach to, but it was really valuable, I think, to confirm our, our direction and help shape the process moving forward. It's always nice to have data that backs up your hunches and yes. what you're doing, isn't it? And, and when, you know, we, ran, we did that, uh, a survey of web users mm-hmm. and, and gathered quite a, a, a lot of data. And you know, that's always a little scary process when you put it out there and you're getting, you're getting that unfiltered information uh, to use your, your site. And it was, I think, really gratifying to know, you know even though it was a relic and, and, and had been sort of creatively upgraded all, all those times, people were really, for the most part, pretty happy with, with their user experience. And the things that we knew were challenges were actually the things that they thought were challenges as well. 
So on day one, when I started, we were talking about the new website and the survey had already started and I think was closed. But I was so impressed with how many people wanted to participate in our new site. And for me, it showed kind of the the value that AHS has in people's lives. Because mm-hmm. I would never think people would be so invested in a website. But I was really surprised at how many people completed it and provided honest feedback and really wanted to be a part of that new project. It's a wonderful set of users that you have. It's honestly some of the the most gratifying content that you get from them when they submit answers to those survey questions. I I actually have a follow-up. It sounds like we were able to confirm what you all suspected um, and what you already knew and what, what we've thought all this time. Were there any big surprises? Is there anything you can think of, Maggie or Paul, that surprised you that the data gave us? There was one thing that I was that surprised me, that there are people who visit our site multiple times a day just to look at animals, and they're not even wanting to adopt. They're just there because it's their, like, feel-good part of the day. You know, it's, I didn't ever think of our site as, like a, like, a happy news site. Our pages were providing a respite of some kind to people. And that really surprised me because I never, I'm not looking at animals unless I want to adopt one. At least that's what I thought. And so that was surprising to me how many people visit our page every single day just to see what they can see. I agree. That, I think that was my most surprising persona that came out of the voice of the customer was we had a name for that persona and it was... The Annie Adopter. No, it wasn't. Polly Pet Lover. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Polly Pet Lover. All that Polly wanted to do was come to the website to look at pictures. Yep. It uh, sure beats what's on television now. Yeah, right. Uh, The survey that you did before, you just talked about, but you also ran a survey um, after we launched the site. Was is there anything you'd like to comment on about there? Was there anything you learned from there that you weren't expecting? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so it wasn't really as much a survey as it was just uh, email us and let us know what you think. There were some really emotional reactions to the mm-hmm. new site, and I uh, wasn't expecting that at all. Speak to how invested people are in it. Yeah, I know change is hard, but I, I just wasn't expecting the amount of passion that came through <laughs> in some of the emails. And there were definitely some oversights that we were like, oh, duh, why didn't we think of that? Uh, for example, like the declaw cat filter. That really turned people off, and that they thought that that was a decision we made, And really, it was just kind of an oversight on our part. But so there were things that I, again, like the investment that people have on our website, it it just continues to surprise me still. Mm -hmm. We spent quite a bit of effort after the fact fixing things like the declaw filter, which showed up repeatedly as something that people wanted. And it was not something that we identified as something to take out, which showed up as an oversight. And one of the things I really appreciated about working with you guys is, you know, we had a fairly rapid response in the uh, weeks after the site launched to really address the things that had, had come out of that feedback and that there was lots of positive feedback and then there was some uh, feedback that was less constructive. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were some really great insights, yeah. um, like the declaw filter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just can't think of everything, even if you make lists and you check them twice and you do everything you want to do, you just, there's always something that happens. I'm glad we were able to respond to that adequately. Yeah. And that's why we ask the questions we do so that we can receive that information and be able to act on that data. So that's great. Can you tell me what your number one objective with the Drupal 8 upgrade was? Ooh, number one, number one, not a list of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, um, I had to think a lot about this question. And I think, you know, if, if I had to put it as one objective, it's that the, the user experience on the website matched the user experience that people have when they come to the shelter, that it was as colorful and emotional and wonderful and warm and inviting and that it gave people that that same wonderful feeling that they see when they walk in the door and see the puppies and the kittens that they would get that from the from the website Mm -hmm. yep that's exactly what i had written down so nice job yeah (laughs) and did client and vendor meet that objective I think so, yes. I mean, I, I, one of the, the wonderful things about the content, there's a lot of great visuals. And one of the drawbacks of the old, the Drupal 6 site and, and the, the way that we accomplished the mobile functionality there was that we really incorporating visuals in a way that was responsive and video and all of those other things was really cumbersome. Didn't provide, I think, as good an experience on desktop or mobile devices and we made some compromises and this new site allows us to really put all of those fantastic videos and uh, images front and center and Mm -hmm. display them in ways that are big and bold and powerful and it helps us tell our story through images as well as pictures and I think that alone has sort of transformed the experience you get online. Yep. I wish there was a, a way we could make the website furry and fuzzy and such. <laughs> people would want to hug the site too. We could make it purr. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, we could add that as a, as a, a Easter egg. If you do the Konami code, maybe the website starts purring. Yeah. Yep. All right. That was great. Uh, now we're going, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to move into the truth and dare section of our interview. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> talk about challenges. No, um, well, no before we talk about challenges, oh. let's, let's uh, and I'll let you go next, I promise. Okay. Can you elaborate on 10.7's major accomplishments in the upgrade process? And maybe our whole team, but I'm sure there's other uh, AHS accomplishments that we can talk about. Can you ask the question one more time? Can you discuss the major accomplishments, both from the 10.7 side and from the AHS side as well? So this might seem kind of odd because um, it, it's not about the website explicitly, but one thing that was really, it's important to me in all my working relationships is that you really get to know people. And this was the first time I've had my hands in a website development in the way we did. It was a huge undertaking. I got to learn a lot about Les and Tess and your team at 10.7. And it's really important to me to, to have confidence in my relationships with my coworkers and to have trust. And we work so closely with you guys all of the time that to me, getting through this and learning about each other and learning how we work and all, that was a big accomplishment for me. So that wasn't just the website, but just in terms of our relationship and how we work together going forward, it it means just a a better working relationship. And so to me, that was a big uh, accomplishment of this project. Thank you. You want to talk about the website? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a, a couple things come to mind, and I think one thing that I really appreciated, and it speaks to the to, to that relationship, is that we had really ambitious ideas going into this, and lots of things that we we identified that we wanted this website to do. And of course, we had Cadillac tastes and a Pinto. 
<laughs> a pinto budget. But I think we found ways to sort of creatively prioritize and, and, and use, use uh, your expertise and our expertise to come up with a way that really maximized what we got and figured out how to prioritize the things in this first phase and things that we could build the infrastructure for that would allow us to do the initial stuff, but then also create a platform for us to do other things down the road. I think we asked a lot of you and this budget. And I think we got a lot out of, you know, what was for us a, a huge project, but recognizing sort of the scope of what we were trying to do necessarily a huge budget to match our aspirations. Mm-hmm. So I was really pleased with, with what we were able to do. You know, I also think rethought and reinvented quite a bit of the way that people interact with the adoption filters and the lost and found pages. And I think substantially improved the user experience, despite some hiccups yeah. with the, the declaw filter. But I think overall, the user experience in, in those cases, which, which make up the vast majority of the interactions that happen on our website, are much better now than they were two months ago mm-hmm. uh, with the old site. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you know, again, we've laid the groundwork for some other things down the road. I have to concur with both of you. I really appreciate the human aspect of our relationship, and I'm very glad that um, you talked about that, Maggie, because I think it's important to our team as well, not just to me, but to Jonathan, to Madeline, to everyone that worked on the, on the project. I think the only person that didn't uh, ride a line of code besides me and Jonathan and Madeline uh, of the developers was Lex. And I think he was involved in some of the user experience work and some of the setting up the theme and certainly in the solar search of the site. You know, you got more than two-thirds of 10.7 touching the code and working on the site and on the design. And, and for us, the, the relationship part is really important as well. So I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, from a technical point of view, I think we had some accomplishments in the upgrade as well. We, we upgraded a major version of Drupal from 6 to 8. We implemented Solar Search, which, you know, is giving better results to users. We certainly focused on mobile. And then I think the functionality that I was hoping would really improve was the lost and found. And I think that part has improved as well. So certainly, in my opinion, there have been some major accomplishments in this project. And I'm, I'm excited for the groundwork that this lays for future feature updates and for other things that we're going to do. Yeah. One other thing I want to mention is I was expecting when we first started this to keep like that we would keep extending the deadline because with huge projects, that's just what you do. 10.7 was like on it with the deadline and we were the ones who kept pushing it due to other things at work. So I think that that's a big accomplishment that uh, we were not only just, I think, a week out from deadline, but um, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Madeline. Yes. Thank Thank you, Madeline. Yes. Yes. Well, I I think that's a segue to um, the not-so-rosy parts, right? Every project has a challenge. I'll start with the fact that the project did take a long time, even though we hit the deadline that we agreed upon. When you start a project at the end of a calendar year and you end up going through the following year and launching in in the subsequent year, that's a long project. And yeah. so I think that was certainly one of the challenges. We had different, a different project manager that, was, that started the project than what actually ended up finishing the project. So another certain challenge. Maybe there are other challenges that we, would, that we should talk about, Paul and Maggie. What do you think? Yeah, sure. 
I didn't realize how complex AHS's website was, especially with pet point integration and figuring all that out with how many, and I can't remember what we call them in JIRA. Uh, they're not issues. Issues, thank you. With how many issues we had, it required a lot of communication. Often we met weekly, we had conference calls, but even then with four people addressing the same issue, there were sometimes lack of clarification or, you know, Paul and I had thought, yeah, we made this decision and we're moving forward and then learned that 10-7 didn't feel like they had the information they needed to continue. And so there was, I think communication, it just requires a lot of it when we're all working on other projects as well. Like it's hard to remain laser focused on these really tiny details that in the end make a big difference to the user experience. So to me, that was a challenge, but I don't necessarily think it was a challenge that is unique to 10.7. I think it's just a challenge of having a project this big. One other thing that we've discussed a little bit is in our D6 site before, we had a little bit more control over some of the things we wanted to create or some of the functionality we wanted to build in. And we've had to let go of some of that control a little bit. And so we rely on 10.7 more than we used to, to help us figure out how to build functionality in, in the new site or how can we get, get around adding custom code to something. And I totally understand the benefit in having a be a little bit more locked up, but that's been a challenge for us because we like to get our hands in that stuff. So now we just have to say, Hey, 10, seven, help us out. <laughs> that sounds like something that's, that came out of circumstance with Drupal eight and perhaps with the design. I, I don't know the exact examples you're thinking of Maggie. And if you do have one, I'd love to hear it. Um, is there an example you can think of? Yes. Before we were able to add CSS to a page, for instance, if we wanted to um, have for some, some reason unique design elements, or if we had an iframe to embed or JavaScript to add, we had the ability to do that. And we didn't with the rollout of the new D8 site. And so it's something we had to request. But now, of course, Les has put in uh, our ability to embed unique code, especially because we want to use our D8 site now to host some of the event pages that we have. So, for instance, Whisker World, it has a totally different color palette than our standard brand colors. And so, or in order to use the D8 site for those pages, we need to request uh, a snippet embed. So that's, how we're, that's an example of how we're using the D8 site, and we needed Les's help on that. I think part of that is also a reflection of we were, and me in particular, because given the, the work that I did with you guys with the original sort of mobile upgrade back in 2014, knew a lot about Drupal 6. We had been using Drupal 6 a long time mm-hmm. and really understood all the ways that all the pieces fit together. And I think um, we are now at a place where I'm in a different role now and I have not had the time to invest in sort of a more comprehensive knowledge of Drupal 8 and, and neither has, has Maggie. And we're learning a new platform and learning the limitations. And in the cases that, that Maggie has talked about, Les has been great about thinking through what is a, what is a reasonable way to accommodate our requests. But I think some of his unfamiliarity with, with the new platform and sort of what is really a limitation and what is really what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that goes with any new platform that you, mm-hmm. that you start up on. And as you know, we've been doing this for two years now with Drupal 8. And I think we, I think we have a solid understanding, but sometimes we still haven't discovered all those new things that have changed. So we very much appreciate your patience and being able to respond in the way that we do. We, 
as always, we're not trying to lock you in or any other client for that matter. We, you know, our greatest desire is to be able to empower you and every other client to do what they need to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Recognizing, I think, too, that there are some limitations that are there for our own good. Yes, totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there, are, there, are, there are good reasons to not give everyone the keys to the kingdom. And I, we, can, we recognize that. I think one of the other challenges that we didn't anticipate would be the whole pipeline integration. You know, the, the website integrates with a whole different system that has its own set of unique challenges and can be sometimes a little finicky and unpredictable. And, you know, we, we tested quite a bit before the site launched, but once you get real people using the site with all that real data in real time, you know, no matter how much testing we did, I think we could not have anticipated some of the things that cropped up. And so we spent a good deal of time after the launch identifying and sort of killing the, the bugs that, that came through that process. And again, that's dependent on this whole other system. And it works seamlessly 98% of the time. And it's that 2% of the time that was giving us some grief. So we're six, what, six weeks out from the yeah. launch of the website. And I feel like we have, you know, we have pretty successfully and pretty quickly managed to identify and correct some of the issues that we, we hadn't identified beforehand. And I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. But again, it was, it was 98% fantastic. I think the, the other thing that, that is worth recognizing is that there was nine years worth of tweaks and customization that happened with the Drupal 5 slash 6 site that we're now starting over, mm-hmm. recognizing how, just how good it was, given the fact that we started from scratch. Yeah. Is there anything we could have done to have addressed the 2% that were the challenges that you mentioned? I have an opinion, but I would love to hear if, if you think there's something else we could have done better there. I think we could have, we could have turned on and left on the pet point integration and looked at more data more consistently. I think we did some testing and confirmed that information was coming through, but we didn't test it in real time mm-hmm. with real Animals. With real animals and yeah. with real, uh, the, the folks who use it on a daily basis, that might have uncovered some of the, the quirks. Yeah, for instance, we just discovered yesterday that rats, for some reason, weren't coming through. They were coming through the Pet Point API, but they weren't appearing on our website. And I never would have guessed this, but it had something to do with the fact that their scale was ounces versus pounds. Um, so it's just like little things like that, that we were like, whoa, I really, these really small details that you don't even think of until all of a sudden you're faced with, uh, well, why aren't rats on the website? Right. There are so many things, so many quirks coming out of PetPoint uh, and the way that information comes through that we discovered late in the process. Yeah. I think we actually started pulling in real animals a week before launch. If we could have done it again, I would have said, let's do four weeks at minimum. That way we could have seen what what was actually coming through. And perhaps also involve people on the floor that were using that data in some sort of a capacity as well. So we did kind of a soft launch and I asked different staff from different departments to do testing and I gave them different scenarios. And so I, I felt really confident that we had done the testing we needed to do the highest traffic pages on our website didn't get the attention they needed, which is the adoption pages. I think it was an oversight on our part, and I think it was all of us. 
we were fairly quick to respond and get those things fixed. And I think, and people, the people who use our site were very passionate about telling us yeah. <laughs> when something wasn't correct. That's right. So, yeah. And our staff were very passionate as well about identifying when there were yeah. there were gaps. But surprisingly patient. Like I, I just felt like people were mad at me all the time for about two weeks, but everyone <laughs> was really kind. So yeah. And everyone I think is really thrilled with the end result. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. There were some bumps in, in the road. I think back to other website launches I've gone through and, and there've always been bumps. And I think there have been more significant and disastrous bumps and many other uh, launches I've done in my mm-hmm. previous life. And, you know, even, even things like we were really well prepared with our SEO and all the, the effort we put into making sure that we didn't sync, you know, our results in Google. And uh, all of that went off flawlessly. And I was really, really pleased with that. Yeah. None of our links broke. There was content we knew, like old adoptable animal posts, that we knew were going to go away. But for the most part, the, the core content, every power content is organized and created, all of those links continue to work, yeah. which is a huge, huge uh, accomplishment. In my role as the caretaker for Count Happiness, I would like to know what your hopes and dreams for the site are over the next year. Right now, something I'm working on is, as Paul mentioned before, including more animal photos and videos was a, something we really wanted. And that functionality is there now. So for instance, we have the ability to display up to five photos of the animals on our adoption floor, but we're not doing it simply because of time and kind of putting a process around what that looks like. And so we've, you know, we're working on how can we now fully utilize the website's new functionality I really hope just even within the next month to get that figured out. So we have even more photos of animals on our website because that's really what people want. We hear that all the time, that they don't want to just see the one posed photo that, you know, we take here. So that's, that's one thing that I hope to accomplish in the next like month or two. We had discussed the ability for people to create accounts and favorite animals and save searches And we kind of ran into a timing issue and a budget issue. And so we set those things aside, but I'd like to revisit that. So people feel like they have a reason to return to our website and that they're looking for their perfect map that we're honoring the way they want to use our site. So that's something that I'd like to start talking about again within the next year. You know, we did a great bunch of work to integrate kind of spot our our clinic site uh, into the main AHS website, but there's still some functionality there that still living in, in a separate sort of legacy kind of cut site. I want to make sure that we, we continue the work on that and get, get that functionality folded into the main site. Making um, kind of cut really integrated into AHS is one of our overall goals. And so mm-hmm. um, we still have some work to do there. We also, down the road in the next 12 months, uh, all that work we did on the PetPoint integration, we're looking at replacement software for our medical records and our adoption tracking. And we'll have to revisit some of that work as we look at replacement software. And so having a replacement that works well with the website and has an API that is as non-disruptive as possible yeah. is a priority for that. But there's some exciting things coming with that that may impact the way that we're able to share information about animals online. I would love to hear more about that at some point, <laughs> Paul. Uh, I, I have a secret agenda that I've always wanted to create a version of PetPoint that is open source that any a, a humane society or pet rescue organization can use 
just keep that in the back of your head. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The software that we have identified and that we've signed the agreement, and everything, the thing that's kind of neat about it is we are building out the back end. So similar to Drupal 8, like we're able to have a, a little bit more control over what that interface looks like. So hopefully that means that we can build it out in such a way that it, it works seamlessly with our new website. That would be so amazing. Now, I have the final wrap-up question, which is, I think, the most important question of our whole audio cast. And I, I'm going to give you guys the option of who goes first. <laughs> so, Paul and Maggie, the, the last question is, cat or dog? Me, that answer is easy. It's cat and dog. That's right. I, was, I should have said you can't choose both. <laughs> well, I have, I have two cats and a dog, so I can't, yeah. I can't choose. For yeah. Maggie, my easier answer. So, well, I know mine's not easier. I was thinking about this as I was coming to work, and I was like, man, I bet they weren't looking for me to like start psychoanalyzing myself. But I did. <laughs> um, and I'm more like a cat. Uh, I've grown up loving cats. I actually think I'm more of a cat person, but I think owning a dog has made me a better version of myself. So um, I would say I'm more of a cat person, but dogs make me a better human. So how about that? That's awesome. (laughs) Since we don't have to ask Yvonne, I can answer the question. I also have, we also have a cat and a dog and Maggie, I agree with you. I think the, I've had dogs all my life and this one in particular has brought things out in me that I really didn't think that I had. And yeah. it's been really a terrific situation. Love raising animals in general, but uh, this has been really good. Plus, I'd probably weigh about 180 pounds more if I didn't have <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of this audio cast, and I particularly want to thank Maggie Flanagan and Paul Sorensen from the Animal Humane Society and Yvonne Stegich for sharing their insights. Please visit AHS at animalhumanesociety.org and visit us at 107.com and keep an eye out on the 107 blog for future audio casts. This is Jonathan Freed, and thank you for listening.